on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Angie Treasure joins me as a co-host today. Hi. Uh, she's beat writer for the Jazz for Salt City Hoops, writes, goes to games and writes the articles. Yep. Also content manager for KSL.com. No, you're, what's your audience? audience? development manager. Yes. That's How dare re- you not remember my very important, very made up title. Yes. But regardless, uh, works with me there. Knows sports, knows basketball, is a good follow. At snark underscore tank. Mm-hmm. I'm at Andy B. Larson. Uh, as always, this is a social show, so please feel free to chime in with any questions, comments, concerns uh, on anything that we talk about or anything that you guys want to talk about related to the world of NBA basketball and the Utah Jazz. Uh, we've got a good show. Zach's going to join us, our usual co-host, is going to join us from Golden State uh, in uh, ahead of tonight's Warriors-Blazers game. That begins on at 8.30 on this station so we'll be previewing that going into the 8 o'clock hour. Before that, though, we've got some questions on each of these playoff matchups. Uh, look at the coaching situation situations around the league, including Quinn Snyder, who was just signed to a, a new extension with the Jazz. We'll talk about that, how and he's now kind of under Jazz control until 2021 and whether or not we're excited about that, those sort of things. Uh, jazz logos were leaked today mm-hmm. by Uniwatch, so we'll talk about whether or not we like those. NBA Combine began today. We've got our first uh, bit of data on the unofficial measurements of some of these guys, in- including the University of Utah's Jakob Pertl. So, yeah, it's kind of a busy show, all compressed into an, an hour and a half this week instead of two. Yeah, because we've of got, the, the we've got a half hour less, but we can do it. Yeah, that just means less puppy talk with Zach, unfortunately. Well, I'm hoping we can squeeze some of that in That's true. when he phones in, because I'm very concerned about how Boogie is doing. Yes, Boogie is the name of his new, what kind of dog is it? It's French a, Bulldog. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're very... Where he's sleeping. Yeah. Where he, he's... He's an Instagram star at this point. We have to He keep... really is. He he has way more followers than I, I do, <laughs> which is and, fine. And, and you and me both. I'm not a great Instagram follow. I'm not begrudging the public. Yeah, no, they've, they've made good choices. <laughs> uh, let's talk about these playoffs, first of all. Uh, right now, the, the Raptors are playing the Heat in Toronto uh, and are just kind of destroying them. They kind of figured out how to play offense, it seems like, <laughs> right. with 55 points in the first half already with two and a half minutes left to go. Miami only has 37 points, so yeah, Toronto, 18-point lead right now. Uh, before the first half finishes, Toronto jumped out to what was it, twenty three and eight? Yeah, when the mm-hmm. timeout was—I mean, it was—it was not looking pretty for Miami. Yeah, which is which is good. I, I I think I still have full confidence that this will somehow end up tied in in overtime. <laughs> there have been three overtime games this series. Three so, in the series, right? Three so, in four games. And, and really, up until now, it's been bad basketball to watch. It's not great, right? Like it seems like they're taking. 12 to 15 seconds to get into possessions mm-hmm. to just and then ISO heavy. Uh, and then yeah, it's very ISO heavy, especially on on the back of DeMar DeRozan who's yep. not taking any threes, <laughs> rarely getting fouled. I mean, it's it's not even efficient anymore. It's yeah. just it's ugly. Uh and now Jonas Valančiūnas is out for the rest of the series. It's interesting how they've matched up because they have matching center injuries. Right. Not not that they had the same injury, but they've both lost their starting centers. 
and then they have two shooting guards who can't shoot the three. So it's very strange, kind of the similarities yeah. they have. No, that's that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, and and you would think that the 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 talent kind of matches up too. Like I mean, obviously Kyle Lowry is better than Goran Dragic, but mm-hmm. I, I think kind of similar. Uh, above average point guards. I think yeah. both of those guys have had their their moments in the sun where they're 20 point scorers, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh like you point out the centers, the shooting guards, the young small forwards. I I think I guess maybe it's too late to call Terrence Ross young still, but maybe <laughs> he just feels so young in right. how he plays. Jamal Crawford still feels young to me, so really? <laughs> he doesn't age. You look at pictures when he won his first six man of the year award, uh-huh. he looks the exact same. Huh. Wuhao Phelps has a question for us on Twitter. What's Biombo going to get this summer? Will anyone remember that he's dominating against 6'6 guys? Probably. Yeah, he's going to get so much money. Everybody's going to get so much money. Yeah, it's such a weak free agent market. There's no way that he doesn't get paid. Right. Uh, I I mean, I think he gets like $12 million a year at least. I think so. Probably more. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just with every team having money, and he's a top 20 free agent in this class, I think he gets money. Yeah, it's just the market. Um, but thanks for the question. Uh, Clint Peterson s- says, "Who dat? It's treasure." So, it me. That's that's your name. Yeah. Hey, Clint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. What else do we have? Uh, I think. Okay, first of all, I think whether or not Hassan Whiteside comes back in this series is big. Uh, I don't know if he mm-hmm. will. He's he's officially day to day. Uh, that definitely gives Miami an edge. Right. Clearly. Uh, if if. Jonas is out for the whole series, which right. he's been out. Uh, and he's been so he's out. been so vital for the Raptors. And at the, a lot of times, it's looked like the most viable offensive option on the floor. Let me ask you a question, and this will go into our conversation of the next okay. series we'll talk about as well. Are you surprised at how big of an impact these like big rebounding offensive rebounding centers are making? And I'm talking about Ennis Cantor, Ennis Cantor, Jonas Valanciunas, Steven, Steven Adams, Adams Biombo. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's the defensive center that makes a huge difference in the regular season. Right. So I, I don't know what an explanation is for why these guys grab, grabbing offensive boards are really able to be the difference makers in these games. Yeah. I, I mean, we've seen over the last couple of playoff series, and, and David Locke likes to talk about this, is how series get smaller over the course of them. You know, we mm-hmm. see, uh, you know, last year in the finals, for example, they, they brought Andrew Bogut off the bench. Right. Um, or, um, took him out yeah. of the starting lineup, yeah. put him into the bench uh, in an effort to play the Cavs a little bit smaller, and that, that decision made a big difference. Yeah. Um, and we see that kind of happen over and over again, and it, that's not what's happening in this Thunder-Spurs series. Now no, the Thunder lead at 3-2. Huge. Yeah. I mean, Steven Adams and Ennis Kanner have found a way to stay on the floor together and have have just destroyed the Spurs' <laughs> ability to to. I, I mean, I think they've been better on offense, clearly. I mean, but like the Spurs haven't been able to slow them down. No, and and to me that's surprising, given that again they were one of the best defenses of all time during the regular season. Right. Uh, and and quite frankly, usually I think the Spurs are pretty decent at defending like star kind of teams, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. usually they make smart decisions on defense and load up against yeah the the stars of any given. I team. think I think there's so many things about uh, the Thunder that present an interesting matchup for the Spurs and just that reason that you said they've got two legitimate stars. So you may be able to have a game where you slow down KD and then Russ goes off or right. you're able to limit Russ and make him have a really inefficient night. Like he, he had the other game where he went 10 for 31 and then Kevin Durant has 
40 points on 25 shots. It's also just hard, right? Because, like, if, if different referee calls go their way or don't go their way or, you know, Tony Parker makes a jump shot last night, mm-hmm. it's it's a very different game. True. Um, so it's hard to be too hard on the Spurs. But I, I am legitimately shocked that the, the Thunder are leading the series at this point. Me too. Especially heading back to Oklahoma City with right. a chance to close it out. I mean, it's shocking. Dave Locke tweeted this earlier today and talked about it on tip-off. But the, the Spurs have lost. Um, if they lose the series... They will. It will be the fourth time in eight years Spurs have lost as a higher seed. Yeah. Which is legitimately shocking. I don't feel like we would have assumed that that would be true of the Spurs to not be able to close out when they're supposed to. That seems like their bread and butter. And honestly, that uh, to me is like the biggest argument against this whole like experiencing experience mattering in the clutch kind of thing, right? Because uh-huh. there's no more experienced team than the San Antonio Spurs. Right. And even if even they are faltering at the end of games, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe not executing not playing well defensively, those sort of things, mm-hmm. fouling in inopportune moments. Uh, I, you know, who is their hope for? Right. I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just so much luck. Like, there's so much variance in this that I feel like people don't understand that and, and kind of are too hard on, on teams that lose close games and series. Yeah. I'm, I'm projecting a little bit as a jazz fan, but <laughs> regardless. I've sensed the emotion coming out of you, so yeah. I figured that that was hitting a little close to home. Uh, at BYU State of Sport says, thoughts on Andrew Bogut's extensive minutes in game four? In game four or game five? I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, he do, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> what, I don't know. What he's talking about. Uh, oh, sorry. No, I'm, I'm thinking the other series. Uh, sorry. Game four is obviously the last game in, in oh, that's Warriors. Oh, right. that's right. That's right. Uh, Blazers. Um, Andrew Bogut's been great. I, did he foul out of that game? Uh, I don't believe on so. On Monday, I thought he did. Find out for sure. Sorry. Um, that's another guy who's been having some success with offense. He did rebounds. foul out. Excuse me. Yeah, I thought I watched it. So sit. yeah, but did play twenty six minutes, three points, no shots, uh, three free free throws. Yeah. Uh, I like they play so far off him, right? Like the Blazers uh-huh. play Andrew Bogut in the same way that they play Rudy Gobert, where they just like mm-hmm. go way back into the paint and don't guard him at all. Uh, but he's so he was a minus one for the game. I felt like he's done a really good job with Miles Plumley. Yeah, like just just as as much as Miles Plumley was able to have a great series against the Clippers, um, he's had a pretty poor series against the Warriors. Like I might, I might play more Festus Azili, but Andrew Bogut's a good rim protector. I, like I don't know, it's hard I don't to, have a it's preference. Hard, no, it's hard to quibble about that decision. I think. Yeah, uh, I I am surprised that Festus Azili only had nine minutes compared to Bogut's twenty six. Yeah. That might uh, be a good thing to ask Zach about yeah, what he that, thinks. That's a good call. Uh, all right, here's another question from James Hansen going away from the playoffs. We'll promise. Uh, we'll talk about Warriors sure. yeah, yeah. in a second. And definitely with Zach, certainly. Right. Uh, as games tonight, again, on ESPN 700 at 830. Uh, how likely are the Jazz to trade up in the draft? I think trading up is pretty unlikely. That's what I would think. Because, uh, honestly, I think the Jazz brass at this point thinks that they're like, Based, you know, I think they think what everybody does that there are two players in this draft who are really worthwhile. Right. Maybe three or four. Right. It's very top but heavy. There's not, not as much middle as there was last draft. Right. And I don't think there. And you know, Walt Perrin has said the same thing in interviews right. with us, and mm-hmm. and you know, both on and off the record has said these kind of things. I I don't think that they're willing to give up the assets that it would take to go from like twelve to two, for example. You know, you, you're right. looking at like twelve plus Derek Favors to get up to two. Right. Alec Burks isn't going to do it. No. And I would call it more likely that they trade the pick away for something or trade down. I would call that more likely than them trading up. Yeah, I I I completely agree. Of that making 
um, them getting, like you said, like them getting to one or two is so unlikely yeah. that it doesn't make sense. And again, that's that's another possibility that Dennis Lindsay talked about in his uh, post-game or mm-hmm. post-season press mm-hmm. conference uh, locker room cleanout where he, he said, look, we will evaluate trading out of this draft entirely if we don't think that the player we want is there at number right. 12. Now, obviously, next Tuesday, there's this whole lottery thing where there's, you know, mm-hmm. the 3% or whatever chance it is to be in the top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be a nice way to to trade up great. without trading, if you will. Right. But, uh, it's possible. It is possible. It's not probable. It is not probable. <laughs> the, the, so you're saying there's a chance right. uh, drop. Q yeah. drop is, <laughs> yeah, plays here. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I... I don't think they'll trade up at all. I think trading out is pretty likely. Yeah. It's just so hard. To, I, I can't figure out this Jazz offseason at all because they have so much money. They have the assets, and they clearly need to improve in, in a number mm-hmm. of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they just definitely have a set starting lineup. And right. it's hard to—they don't want to be the Phoenix Suns, right, where you get three-point guards and, and three of them are unhappy. And, yeah, probably. jack up the chemistry, and, and then you're in no man's land. Right. And then— you're really bad. Right. And and I think, you know, to some extent, you can, like, the point guard position, Shelvin Mack's not going to be upset that he's not a starting point guard anymore. Like, he knows no. that last year was a free ride a little bit. Right. But, uh, you know, you bring in, like, another small forward in case Gordon Hayward leaves, and then if so, Gordon Hayward's probably pretty upset about that. And right. you should maybe just evaluate trying to keep right. Gordon Hayward around. It's tricky. And, what like, Walt Perrin said, you said this last week, so it might be repeating uh the point but Walt parents said it's hard getting guys to come in to work out for the jazz even because the the team has set starters yeah and so again maybe that's another point in favor of the jazz trading that pick away Absolutely. is if you can't even get the guys to want to play there right what's i mean what's, what's the point right why, why jazz obviously need to bolster their bench yeah and that's kind of a i don't think that's hard, as hard to do but it's it. There's also some politics involved and some chemistry things involved, and and it'll, it's just going to be an interesting off season to watch. So last year, the trade that we kind of talked about as a hypothetical was the number twelve for the Patrick for Patrick Patterson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, they'll be, probably be the number twelve pick. Do you make that trade this year? I guess, right? Maybe. Like he, Patrick Patterson's kind of the same guy, right? Uh, he didn't fall off the cliff, uh, fall off a cliff like Terrence Jones did, who was kind of the other guy. I, I think Terrence people Ross? thought about. No, Terrence Jones of, oh, of the Raptors. Oh, okay. The other shooting sure. four man is yeah. not terrible. But then defense. they drafted a shooting four. Right. So. But, I mean, Patrick Patterson would have been better for the Jazz last this, season than Trey Lyles was. Sure. Just, I mean, because Trey Lyles is a rookie and was, was pretty bad Learning curve. Right. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, you have to say that's probably a good deal yeah. for the Jazz to have kept Trey Lyles because he looks like he'll be a good player. Yeah. Um, maybe a great player if he you know starts playing defense. Engaging. But read actually, I quick sh- plug of my article. Read that on KSL.com. Go to sports and click on jazz. Yep. I did a scouting report of on Trey Lyles's uh, read rookie stuff, season. Read my sure. read my writing because it's I wrote it. I don't know. <laughs> um, we're getting so many questions. That's Andy. good. That's that's good. Okay. Uh, here's it's one. just me. I'm saying it, nobody wants to ask you. That's I'm a great kidding. point. Uh, no at at. <laughs> The Rons underscore jazz. Steven Ronsley. Are you guys cheering for Ennis Cantor, don't care, or still bitter? Um I'm not cheering I'm not cheering for him. I'm probably more apathetic than I am outright angry. Yeah. It makes the only thing that makes me angry is watching him run up and down the court because he looks <laughs> so dumb. He That's kinda, fair. He kinda like tucks his 
his his chin into his chest and really pumps his arms and it infuriates me for some reason. Yeah, he he just like looks like an oaf. Like yeah, I think it's from years of watching him try to run, pretending to run back on defense, and I'm like, Ugh, that's fair. You're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm not rooting. Uh, okay, so I'll admit I'm rooting for the San Antonio Spurs in this series. Me too. But that's because I want to see Spurs Warriors. Um, Absolutely. I like seeing Anis Cantor succeed. Um, I you know I don't think that. I think that that was a good trade for the Jazz. You look at the defensive jump, and I sure. think that's relatively obvious. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I want Enes Kanter to succeed. I, he's yeah. a nice guy. He's super friendly to me, except for when he wasn't. But <laughs> like for and, a while, he was very nice to me, and I'm I'm pro Enes. And I think he's suited for the role he has now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. It makes so much more sense as a sixth man. I don't think he's a starting center on a great team. I think he's a really good sixth man for a great team. Yeah, he's you know I think if he's a start your starting center, you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time, <laughs> defensively at least. But you know he's really he's skilled, he's talented, he knows how to score. But um, yeah, I mean that's a good spot for him. He needed he needed to be moved. I I'm not really bitter. I think he's a dumb person, in as as like <laughs> knowing how to to speak to people and I and basketball IQ. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I don't think the basketball think IQ low. is really there. Um, I but. think I just don't think he's that smart. But I think they've gotten the best out of him. So kudos to the Thunder. Yeah, uh, not that I don't think Quinn Snyder could have gotten the best. Like I think Quinn I, tried. I think yeah, I think, I think Quinn tried, and I don't think Ennis did. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that was a change of scenery thing. Yeah, whatever. I don't feel that bitter about it. But he said dumb things when he came back. And he loved being the heel, and that was really annoying. And it's, and I also think I'm not. I know people get really angry when fan bases unite to to cheer against someone, but I also think that's a unifying thing, and if it can be fun. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not mad at the Ennis. No, haters. I, I love it. It's. I it's, think that's fun too. So that's that's where I am, Stephen. I'm kind of all over the all place right. on that issue. You you've got a lot of feelings. I want Sorry. I want that blog post from Angie. Um, Do you? Sure. I'll write that. All right. It's feelings on Ennis Cantor on Salt City Hoops. Okay. Uh, .com, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. <laughs> also this radio show. Uh, lots of other good questions. Let's see. Riley O'Brien says, thoughts on the new Jazz logo. We'll talk about that next segment. Uh, Clint Peterson says, are Russ and KD the new Stockton and Malone? Uh, there was that weird Sports Center tweet. I don't know if you saw it, where they were like, uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green have a better pick and roll than... Stockton and Malone, and they show this video of like Stockton holding the ball and then just like passing it to Carl for an easy layup. I was like, okay, clearly that's an end of quarter situation where like he was holding onto the ball to waste time, and I was like, okay, it's time to go, let's score. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it's easier to run a pick and roll in you know 1995 than it was right. in 2015 or 2016 or right. yeah, whatever yeah. year it is yeah. this year. Uh, <laughs> where are we? When is this? This is going to be like a little bit controversial but i think there's a real possibility that like draymond and steph are a better pick and roll pairing than stockton and malone mm-hmm. um i just think that the league has gotten much much better at defending pick and roll sure and just because every team does it on every possession now instead of 20 years ago when the jazz were one of the only teams who were doing it regularly right and so yeah i think there's a case to be made there you look at the efficiency overall uh Stockton and Malone gets points for like longevity and right. making it. Do it for 20 years. Right, you know. exactly. Um, 
are Russ and KD the new Stockton and Malone? No. I mean, they're just, I don't, just I don't get it, Clint. Like, they're two good players, but there have been other good pairings of players. Right. Shrug. Right. Um, with you. <laughs> but that let me go on my, my Draymond Green and Steph I Curry I like the rant. rant. It was good. What do you think Festus Azili does in the offseason from at Spandin Raj? I would imagine he stays. You think? Yeah. I mean, they got to spend money on Harrison Barnes, too. Sure. They just keep know. everyone around? He's, I mean, why not, I guess? Right. I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy to chase money. He could. I don't know. Maybe oh. he's happy. Maybe he, he, he they have an understanding that he's going to be moved in when Andrew starts to phase out. Like, he's getting... Yeah. I, I think that makes sense, right? Like, you yeah, just sign and him. he's an injured guy that, you know, he'll go down every once in a while. Festus or Andrew? Andrew. Yeah. I mean, you start Bogut. Draymond. You, yeah, you can, you can... That team's so versatile, you just shove Draymond over to the 5-2. That's an option that they do regularly. But you could start Draymond Green. Yeah. Um, but I, I won't be surprised if he stays in Golden State. Clint tweets us and says, I meant in the context of Russ and Katie never winning a ring together. Ouch. I mean... Uh, they're not likely Stockton Malone played 20 years together right I don't think I do. Russ and KD are likely to play two more years together yeah so this, that's an interesting point by Clint just because um, the, in the same way that Stockton Malone were up against Jordan and his Bulls mm-hmm. like I think maybe Russ and KD are destined to be up against you yeah know, LeBron and, and or Steph, Steph right and the Warriors so it's like hey those guys would be Dynastic had these un- other right. really great players not been involved, so maybe that's not a yeah, bad. I don't, I don't know about comparison. dynastic, but sure, good. Uh, yeah, Potentially. I think they could yeah. have won a title. Had you know, had things kind of timed Broken out their way. right better. For that's them. the thing that's so uh, infuriating and awesome about the NBA is so much has to do with luck and how things break right. Right, and then we talk about whether or not guys have won rings, and that's right. You know, like that's the end all be all, which it's a fine argument. I get it, but. I thought Shea Serrano had a really interesting point that LeBron is about to be two and five in his seven finals appearances, right? Like I, I'm, I, I think that they would lose to the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and, and the Cavs are probably going to make it to the finals, right? Yeah. And people are going to be like, "Oh, this shows that LeBron isn't a winner," and that's wildly unfair to him. It is, but really it's unfair. just it's a product of the team that he's had around him. Right. Uh, I also don't know how many teams. I, I mean, really, since Kobe, I don't know how many how many guys are going to win four and five championships anymore. Yeah, I, I think I don't know. I just think the league has gotten so good. I that's don't, true. I just don't know that you can do that again. But maybe. Yeah, I I think. Let alone right. six I, and seven. See, for like, and, crying and, and out by loud. the way, there are people like Tracy McGrady out there who are like, yeah, we the NBA sucks now. It wasn't what it was. Charles back Barkley in the Tracy said McGrady that day. too. Yeah, right. And I mean, every old player does. Like Oscar Robertson. Right. Is, I was reading about him today, and he was just like, you know, people didn't dribble back in my era. Blah 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 blah. Right. <laughs> These kids with their palming the ball. Like, if I could have done that, I right. would have scored eighty-nine Hand checking, points. Shakes fist. Yeah, I mean, look, the NBA has gotten better over the last twenty years. Yeah, the last forever. The the graph the slope is continuously upwards. Yeah, maybe with the exception of like post Jordan uh, high school ball mm-hmm. that kind of era. But sure. uh, still, I mean, I, I it's hard for me to look at today's NBA and be like, nah, this is this isn't great. I'm with you. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we have like four other questions for us to answer. So thank you guys good. for tweeting we like us. This. 
If you want to tweet us something during the break, at Andy B. Larson, at Snark Tank, we'll take uh, at Snark underscore Tank. Sorry for the underscore, Andy. <laughs> we'll take more of your questions next and talk about uh, the, the more of the playoffs coaching and Jazz logo next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy Larson, Angie Treasure joining you today. Uh, we heard from Adam saying, you guys sound like angels on the radio. Thanks, That's Adam. all we want. That's so nice of you. It is so nice. We have so many questions from you guys to get to. Uh, we're just, I mean, and so many things to talk about, too. We still want to talk about Quinn Snyder's extension, mm-hmm. the logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph Curry won MVP. That We've was got a thing. Zach Harper joining us at 8 o'clock. I mean, there's still so much to talk we about. We only have an hour. And we only have an hour because we're uh, ESPN 700 is playing Warriors Blazers at 8.30. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. Uh, question from at BYU State of Sport, though. Again, can you can they afford Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili, though? Bogut is due $11 million next season. Yes, but because of the NBA's bird rights, they have bird rights on Festus Azili. Uh-huh. They can sign him to whatever they want and still afford him under you know their cap rules. They can't assign both of those guys and uh, they can't afford both of those guys and, say, Kevin Durant. But sure. if Kevin Durant joins your team, you no longer have problems. Like, right, right. <laughs> it's whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter if you don't have a center. You're you're good. Right. So whatever. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, Jeff Lind had an interesting That's question. A good question. Uh, we always brag on Utah's rebuilding prowess, but it seems like Portland is the one that has skills. Discuss. It's kind it's of loaded. a talk about question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Portland did really did a really nice job in the off season. I mean, very underrated, especially you know you lose four of your starters, you're not supposed to be good the next year. Right. Um, that the fact that they've been so healthy this year has been really lucky. Yeah. So there was there was that, and quite frankly, they signed free agents where the Jazz didn't. Right. Absolutely. Um, Jazz have developed talent. Portland kind of went out and got and you know quasi replaced what they had. Right. And, and so. Yeah, I, I think you can say I think you can criticize the Jazz front office for not getting more bench talent. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, I just don't think that making the playoffs this year was a huge yeah. priority for them for mm-hmm. the Jazz front office. Certainly, it was for the players and, and coaches a little bit, but mm-hmm. not for the front office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the Blazers, they wanted to get good talent around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So their their thought was that having that talent would help their young players develop. Mm-hmm. I think you can make that case where sometimes it's so hard on, on Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood playing alongside, say, Chris Johnson right? because Chris Johnson's guy can just shade towards him and it's kind of like a, a double team. We saw so many teams hedge the pick and roll against Rodney and Gordon this year, for example. Right. Um, it's a little bit harder to do that against the Blazers. We saw that against their series against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Well, also, if I mean, Blazers won 44 games this year. Right. Jazz won 40. Ja- yeah. Jazz lost... And Jazz lost Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert each for about 20 games apiece. Um, Portland had their starting center for 82 games, their port- starting uh, power forward for, for 81, their starting point guard for 75. The Jazz lost their starting point guard for the whole... I, I, right, like, no, that's complete. And I the Jazz think... had a better point differential this year, too. So if you, right. you, know, you want to do the Pythagorean theorem and say the Jazz should have been better, right. it, you can make that case. I mean, Portland did a lot of things great. I'm not trying to disparage what Portland did. I'm just saying if the Jazz had been able to stay healthy, and a part of that argument is, well, well they didn't bolster their bench enough to, to substitute talent in. And I, I think that's absolutely true. But I think if you lost Miles Plumley or, or uh, Mason Plumley for for 20 games and you lost Dame for the whole year, obviously that looks different. Right. Um, 
And then things broke right in the first round of the playoffs for them. They've they've taken full advantage of of what happened with the Clippers. Um, but I I I think there's a little bit of luck there. Yeah, quite uh, honestly. Right, and I think. Uh- I don't know how much the I mean I think the Blazers were a little bit lucky I think the Jazz were a lot unlucky. That's that's um, a good way to put it. I, in terms of close game sort of stuff, in terms of referee calls. Yeah. Uh, I mean we've talked about this sort of stuff ad nauseum, and you know right. I, I cry at right. night every every night because of all of this. <laughs> but and and some of it's you make your own luck, right? Like absolutely the Jazz. <laughs> Thanks, Billy Zane from Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, but I I just. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a big difference. Now, okay, okay, question two, whose roster would you rather have moving forward, the Blazers or, or the mm. Jazzes? Probably, Probably the Blazers, Blazers to me. They've got a legitimate star. Right. And, and you kind of look at if what would the Jazz trade for Damian Lillard, let's right. say. Right. and It'd be a lot. It'd be, you know, Derek Favors, Dante Axum, and Gordon Hayward probably doesn't get it done. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I think that's fair. And they've got a legitimately great coach. They've got, right. you know, that's a well-run organization. Terry Stotts equals Quinn Snyder in my mind in terms yeah. of like kind of value and smart coachness. Sure. Um, I think Quinn's probably, uh, well, I don't know if I can say Quinn's better at developing talent because <laughs> CJ McCollum and David Lillard, Lillard are really good. Right. So anyway. Okay. Uh, some coaching news that I wanted to talk about briefly. Uh, obviously, Dave Yeager was fired by by Memphis, mm-hmm. um, then signed with the Kings very quickly. May this God whole... have mercy on his soul. <laughs> First of all, a couple things surprised me. One, that they did this whole like 25 coaches interview process, and then as soon as Dave Yeager was available, they snapped him up, right. uh, which was not the case with, say, Frank Vogel when he was available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they're kind of equivalent coaches in my mind. I think they're both yeah. kind of very good. They're both defensively oriented. Yeah, they um, look kind of similar. They look kind of similar. <laughs> they're white. Right. Um, but ultimately, yeah, good luck to Dave Yeager. Yeah, I, 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 think I, said, can... on, I said on Twitter that I think it's, that job is the equivalent of the defense against the dark arts position <laughs> okay. at Hogwarts where it's like one one and done basically but I think he has a p- the potential to get uh to be able to handle Boogie Cousins yeah he's like you said he's a little um Mike Malone-esque yeah because he's white no <laughs> <laughs> because he's also white yeah no but I think uh, you look at what he talks about in terms of identity in terms of culture and I think he brings a lot of the same uh respect that i that mike malone yeah his teams play hard for him right um and and unfortunately dave yeager seemed to be at odds with the memphis front off you know the the yeah quite frankly he he was at odds and didn't really seem like he wanted to be there uh he regretted not taking the minnesota job earlier and kind of jumping on that bandwagon that does seem like a missed opportunity because that team's (laughs) gonna be good yeah uh you can't really blame him for that i'm surprised that he didn't wait to talk to the rockets or pacers Right, like yeah, I think the Pacers' job would have made sense, except I know he hasn't had, a, he hasn't shown a proclivity for running for doing running gun, you know, which yeah. is what Larry Bird wants. Right. So I I don't know if he would have had a chance at the job. Maybe he thought Houston was a, Rockets, though. I know, yeah, Rockets would have been a better. I think any job would be a better job than the Kings' job. That's yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's probably the worst one in the in the NBA. Nick's Maybe not, not Sixers, but I mean, and and like. The remarkable thing about the Sixers is that Brett Brown's done a good job. Yeah, with Brett what Brown's. He's had. I I really like him as a coach. Yeah, 
Um, and they might replace him with Mike D'Antoni, but I still think that he's done actually a really good job with that team. I can't imagine keeping those guys engaged for how many games he is He when they're so poor. No, like, they, they legitimately try hard and, and run good stuff. It's just that they are bad don't at Don't have talent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Knicks are still like on vacation in terms of this coaching search. which Phil, is Phil don't care. Phil, no, because he's going to make Kurt Rambis the coach, and that's going to be that. It's going to be such a bad Official, choice. Yes. Phil definitely Bad wants coach. Phil definitely wants someone he can be the puppet puppet master for. I th- I think it's funny Kenny J- the Jet Smith is uh, a real candidate for this Houston job at least in his mind anyway. It oh, seemed really? like that when with the did you see the Dwight Howard interview last I night did. on Inside? I I felt that a little bit with how that interview went. Well, he kind I mean, of he kind of removed himself out of it. Right, he uh, wasn't really. That's kind of what I saw was yeah, that uh, Charles was asking the hard questions. Yeah, uh, Kenny was. Didn't want to. He's being be- very diplomatic. Being right. Very diplomatic. Uh, and I don't think Kenny would be a good coach for that, just because I, I yeah. listen to what he says on Inside and don't think he'd be able to run good things. Let's be honest. Jeff Van Gundy feels like my gut instinct for that rocket yeah. shop. I, I don't know how much sense anyone else makes. Which is, which is, I love J- Jeff Van Gundy, but I will miss him on the air. Yeah, he's great. Um, I also am really curious about how long. Coaches can be out, come back in, and be good. Like I don't know yeah. what the what the uh, standard is for that. Has any? I think like Doug Collins for a while, right? Uh-huh. Um, did okay. Like yeah, it's, George that's Carl an open question. Was, was out, and then not for, for like long. A year. Yeah, I not mean, came long. back. And, I mean, that's a and that's a job. Kings, right? You can't, that, you can't even submit that as data. It's like, <laughs> oh, Kings job. Yeah, crazy outlier. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll kind of see with Tom Thibodeau, right, in in Minnesota with a year off. Yeah. But. That's Van Gundy's been off for like, yeah, eight right, years. Yeah. I don't know. Pacers job? Anyone stick out to you for that? Still no. Um, I think Hornacek makes sense. I think he'd be fun. I think he'd be good. I don't think they'll end up hiring him. Uh, I should look up those Vegas odds. Those were sent to me in uh, a little bit ago. But um, On coaching uh, on likelihood? who's going to be coaching the Pacers. We'll look that up in the break and, and come back with those. Okay. Uh, lots more questions from you guys, and I, I love it. Thank you from everyone. It's uh, me, isn't it? It's because you're on there. <laughs> I, I really do think that's probably why. Uh, one uh, again. Okay, he says last question from Mr. BYU State of Sport. Which jazz player do you want to see the, make the biggest jump heading into the 16-17 season? Rudy Gobert. Dante Exum. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, Clint says it's reasonable to say that between the last two minutes and, and close losses, Jazz could have been 48, 428, not 48 games better. Uh, yep, so many factors. Spandon says, what do you think of Scala Bissier? Uh, can, he can shoot the ball and protect the rim. Was that a real thing? Was that a word? Was that a name? Sorry, yes. <laughs> I thought the, maybe you had a stroke. He's a, he's a high school guy um, uh, who was fantastic mm. in, in high school and then has not played well for Kentucky. You'll have to excuse my lack of draft knowledge. It's not a thing I pay much attention to, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think uh, the Jazz love uh, guys like that who struggle that much in, in college. Um, and not because John Calipari is a bad coach, but because... He didn't bring it. Sure. Uh, but we'll we'll talk much more about the draft in months in the months to come. Let's right. put it that way. Adam tweets uh, your opinions on defensive slash offensive minded head coaches. It seems like all the really good teams have offensive minded head coaches. That's interesting. It is interesting. Um, a what do you categorize Greg Popovich as? Right, like the Spurs were yeah. again one of the best teams all time defensively this year. Yeah. But I think he's probably given more credit for the offensive part. Yeah. Um, um, the funny thing about Pop is I can imagine how much he would hate that question if you asked it to him. 
Oh, he was. If you, if you said pop, would you, a, would you define yourself as an offensive minor or defensive minor coach? And his answer would be, I'm a basketball coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how you. I it's such a, you. It's Yeah. He'd be very upset with the fact that you were talking in his general direction. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess Steve Kerr, you'd probably call offensive. But right. They've been a great, I'm, I'm great comfortable def- with that. But they'd be, they've been a great defensive yeah. team. Um, Cleveland, I don't know how you evaluate Cleveland. Now you evaluate Tyron Lue. Right. I mean, their offense has improved in the playoffs as, as, as in so much of they've become a three-point bombing team. So that's probably offensive-minded. Right. Uh, Phil is prob- Phil Jackson probably yeah, was an off- offensive-minded. And, and, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not that I'm saying Quinn is a great coach. He's only been in the league for two seasons. But I think he's an offensive coach. I think he's he's become a defensive emphasis emphasized coach yeah. because of his personnel. Right. But I think his... His wheelhouse is offense. I don't think he's playing the system that he would Wants. want to in a, in a vacuum. Right. Offensively. Defensively, yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much better than what the Jazz have been. But sure. um, offensively, I, I don't think he's able to run just because yeah. of he knows Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert are, yeah. are the Jazz's best chance to win. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Angie Treasure joining you. Uh, we've been taking so many of your questions today on the show. As always, you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at snark underscore tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of questions. I'm going to go to the show plan for just a second, though, just because we got to get stuff done. Uh, Jazz logo changes were released today. Kind of, okay, not released, leaked, let's put yeah. it that way, by Unawatch. How uh, did they get the t-shirts? How is this happening? Uh, like, fans has got to sell them, right? So someone from took fans picture. took a picture okay. and then sent it to the Unawatch guy, which props Fair. to them. Yeah. I, uh, someone might get fired for that decision. Oh, for sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I'm pro-leaking of information to the world. Right, as right? long as it doesn't get you fired. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my job, right, is to leak information without getting people fired. Yeah, and you and I also have a don't get each other fired pact at ksl.com. Absolutely. So That's very important. That has to be honored. What do you think of the Jazz's new logo? I'm into it. It obviously made sense to make the the note the primary logo. Right, that's what this move is all about. It's yeah. getting rid of the mountain logo. The mountain which was done. Honestly, it was done. Yeah, no one bought any mountain gear. It's not cool. The Jazz hated that it was on like TV stuff yeah. and yeah. yeah, on half of the you stuff that the league your makes. Mic. <laughs> I did. I, I just doing wildly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, clearly, I think the mountain had to go, and this is all about making the note logo the primary logo, and yeah. then you had to replace it with something as a secondary logo. And I don't think it's it's not not inspiring by any means but i don't think it's bad i like i like the circle logo i like it a lot i do i i think it's gonna look i think obviously the note is great like that the whole point is that the note is right a great logo um people are gonna want to buy that people want stuff branded with that but i also think that the circle logo is gonna do really well branded on things the problem i i don't think it looks great like on its own i think it will look good on like a hat hat, absolutely and that was the problem with the mountain logo it doesn't look good on a shirt Anything. or a hat yeah. or it's so there's so many lines it just didn't it wasn't pleasing um but i think the circle logo like i just want a little i don't wear lapels often but like a little lapel pin with cool. that circle I don't, like a keychain would look really cool a like tattoo a tattoo right on my face <laughs> we have had multiple discussions about uh what tattoo you would get i think that's a i mean the note is the best um right but the circle logo i like and i think it 
it makes sense uh, since the NBA is, is kind of trending that direction. Agreed. Uh, Quinn Snyder signed an extension with the Jazz last week. We haven't had a chance to talk about that on the show yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, extended through. So basically his deal was that there was this year and then a uh, second team option year, which had apparently already been picked up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jazz gave him three years in addition to that. So that yeah. makes Quinn Snyder the Jazz's coach through 2020, the 2020-2021 season. That seems like such a fake date. I know. That's not a real year. Someone tweeted that date and I thought it was a joke like, Haha, they extended him for so long. I'm like, oh no, that's the real that's, term of the contract. That's now plus five, yeah. Yeah, which is long. And I thought it was interesting. It came in the wake of, um, you know, all these firings. And mm-hmm. the Jazz took the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to hold on to this guy. He's he's our coach. Like, right. We want to lock him down. pay him more money was, I think, sure. a big part of it. It's a, they said that he they wanted to bring his contract kind of in line with the rest of the league's coaching salaries. Mm-hmm. I think the Jazz got a, a discount on Quinn Snyder as a first-time head coach coming yeah. in. Um, and now, well, you know, we'll pay him what is, quite frankly, he deserves as a coach in the, a new cap. Sure. And uh, you don't want NBA have, TV deal land. You don't want him having a wandering eye and thinking, hey, right. look at the money I could be getting. You don't want him to be Dave Yeager, essentially. Sure. Uh, and have him join the Kings or something awful Oof. like that. Oof. Yeah, that I know there, there was kind of rumors that like, I, maybe it was just a Laker fan generated rumor that that they they wanted Quinn. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because they're the worst <laughs> Lakers fans. <laughs> and Hands off, Quinn. Have fun with Luke. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, Quinn Snyder's extension, by the way, was our pub trivia name this week. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. We we got second place. That's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are <laughs> smart, but not too smart. Uh, Steve Starks, Dennis Lindsay, and Justin Zanuck will be at the lottery for the Jazz. That's next Tuesday, May 17th. Mm-hmm. Steve Starks will represent the Jazz on the podium. I don't know which of Dennis or Justin will be kind of in the back room watching the lottery, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the actual ping pong ball process occur. But... Regardless, it's kind of the three men in charge of the Jazz, right? I Joe Ingles said that he would have loved to represent the Jazz there, and I think that's quite frankly just a missed opportunity. Yeah, maybe they. Didn't I love want you, to... Steve Starks, but right, maybe Jingles, they... you're just way more fun. Yeah, maybe they didn't want Joe. They didn't want to pay for a ticket for Joe to to fly back from Australia, <laughs> or maybe his babies eh. are going to be born soon. Or but they yeah, have the money. Yeah. yeah. I, I think send Joe Ingles next year. I, I do want a player, right? Like the Jazz have yeah, been be so fun. for so long, just been about the executives, and I, I, I or that's not fun, right? We saw what I mean, was it, Brian Miller last year? Yeah, um, and Steve again, is great, nice we like, people. We like Steve. Yeah, I told him he can have the luck of my blobfish. Okay, <laughs> is is that notoriously lucky or something? Oh, I don't know. So the st- <laughs> the story behind the blobfish with Steve Starks is he I met him, who's you know he's the president of the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Uh, and we were in an elevator after the SLC Stars press conference, and and we had met, and he said he liked my stuff, whatever. And then he said, so what's up with the blobfish? And if, for those of you who don't know, that's my header on Twitter, just because it makes me laugh. And that's just what I said to him. I said, Steve, it makes me laugh. So I told him he could have the luck of, of the blobfish, just because we'd had that <laughs> elevator had that moment. moment together. But that is a question. I, I've gotten that twice tonight. Uh, about the, the blobfish. About the blobfish. I'm and, glad we could clear that up. Yeah, I know everyone's really concerned about it. Um, I just, yeah, I just want one day for a, a exciting person to be representing the Jazz on that podium. So who would you pick? I will take Jingles. Jingles. I, I would. Rudy would be fun. 
Dante would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who else. Alec Burks would be fun because he'd just like lick his lips the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and he, just he fidgets if, so if much. If he was ever interviewed, he would just give you know three word answers to everything, and mm-hmm. it'd be great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think all of those are more fun. Send the pink grandmas. The crying, pink grandmas. Yes, that's an even loud. better answer. They need if we could fit both of them in that one little podium, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh. The other quick thing I wanted to mention is that the first day of the NBA Combine was today. Uh, The official results haven't been announced, but a few little things were leaked. Uh, In particular, Utah's Jakob Pertl measured in with a 7 foot and a quarter inch height. So 7 and 0.25 inches and a 9 inch to a quarter inch hand length. He's tall. Both of which are are tall. Actually, that's taller than Shaquille O'Neal. Gray Ghoster Tag, Tyson Chandler, Steven Adams, Jeff Withy. Like, he has without great shoes. size for the center position. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, again, without shoes. So that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, I, I just, i kind of excited to see more of this data come in about this draft. Uh, I think that's important. And I think I, I'm, I'm, I kind of like the NBA Combine. I don't know. I bet it's because of all those numbers, Andy. <laughs> that might be it. I just like... You like to quantify things. Right. And that's very much what this combine, the combine is about, is being able to gather data, which you're very into. Yeah. No, that, <laughs> this is definitely my, my thing, right, is, yeah. is analytics. And, and that was actually my college thesis, was using these measurements in terms... And also their team's or players' college performance... To predict how they would do in the NBA. Really? Um, yeah. Did you see a college just recently uh, is going to do a basketball analytics um, major? Yeah, Syracuse will. There you um, go. Sports analytics to be sports, not, not only basketball, specific. right? Okay. Um, but that's I mean, cool. that's that's kind of exciting. Yeah. The the Moneyball dream has arrived. Right. If this is the great time for you to be alive, Andy. It is. Fifty years ago, not so much. But right. now, I'd but now is great. Be mercilessly made fun of as a nerd then, and now look at look at where I am. Look at I how have cool you are. A weekly nighttime <laughs> radio show. Everything is awesome. Yep. Everything's cool when you're part of a team. All okay. right. Next up on the Salt City Hoop Show, we've got Zach Harper, CBS Sports uh, NBA writer, joining us from Oakland to talk about the upcoming Warriors Blazers series ste- or game, Steph Curry, and much more. Next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <laughs> You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. (laughs) Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Angie Treasure joining you in place of Zach Harper. But wait, Zach is joining us as a guest on the show right now from Oakland, about to watch Warriors Blazers from Oracle Arena. Let's bring him in. Zach, how are you? Zachary, I was gone, then I appear out of nowhere. There he is. Yeah, I'm. We're 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 happy to have you. Two Wait. for the price of one. It's great. I'm happy to be had. What? Uh, uh, first of all, on a scale from one to ten, how much are you missing, Boogie? Your your French bulldog. Oh, I'm at like a twenty-five. I just look at pictures <laughs> wow. of them all day. I haven't actually done any work. I just look at pictures all day. That's. <laughs> so do you do you even ask your girlfriend how she's doing, or is it just how's the dog? No, I asked, how are you guys doing? Oh, that's so good. It, it encompasses everything, but I know what the answer is going to be. Right, that's very diplomatic of you. I, I can, I can yeah. get on board with that. That's a good strategy. Yeah, that way I'm not showing favoritism either way. <laughs> right. But puppies. Right, exactly. Puppies <laughs> are the best. So also if, the worst. 
<laughs> yeah. So if I have my time frame right, you spoke with uh, Steve Kerr and Terry Stotts about 45 minutes ago or so. How are they feeling in, in terms of b- before tonight's game? Well, Terry Stotts is a little uh, a little reserved at all times before games because he doesn't want to give anything away, uh, especially like defensive strategies, lineups, anything like that. So he didn't say a whole lot other than his team is ready. I would say Golden State feels very good. I think Steve Kerr would rather Draymond Green not try to give so much bulletin board material to the Blazers, but I think they feel very confident now that Steph Curry's back that this should be, uh, this should be the last game of the series tonight. Is Steph officially starting and, and playing his full uh, slate of minutes? Yeah, it didn't sound like he was going to, uh, going to be limited at all, although I guess they have to see how his body responds. His knee was fine after the 30-something minutes he played the other night when he was on a 25-minute limit. Uh, but for the most part, his body, his body was more sore than his knee was. Warriors fans have been obviously excited about Steph Curry. Way to go, Andy. That's a, a cutting <laughs> insight. Hot take. Uh, this feels like a loaded question. But like now they have the the world's first unanimous NBA MVP. Does this like are people excited? I mean, I I just want to know how what's it like around Steph right now? Right? Like in some sense you're up close in person with a one of the best sports stories of all time. Yeah, I mean it's really cool. Like they, Steve Curry even talked about this before the game saying that it was a very different feel to the MVP this time because Last year, there was still a little bit up in the air. You didn't know if James Harden was going to have enough votes to, to overtake him. And this year, it was more academic. It was just a matter of fact of that step was going to happen. And to have it be a matter-of-fact situation is cool for them because it shows the team success and it shows the team culture and it shows how good he is. And I think it's, just this, it's almost just this reverence now. Like last year was a celebration. There was nervousness. It was emotional. Now it's just like a business thing for them, which just shows the level they're at as an organization, as a team, that – winning the MVP in a unanimous fashion that's never been done before can just be, oh, yeah, we expected that to happen. Interesting. We, we had an interesting question from one of our Twitter people, uh, and I can't find it on the list, so I apologize. But someone asked if they were playing, if the Warriors were playing Bogut a little bit too much. What do you think? Um, I think? I think it's actually a good thing in this series because, one, his screen setting, while possibly illegal, does set up so much, especially when you bring when you bring Curry back to the situation, he plays off Bogut so well with the passing that Bogut can do and the screen setting. And then on the other end, this Portland team just doesn't have a lot of bigs. Like they play, uh, you know, they play Ed Davis, they play Mason Plumlee, but that's really it. And then I think you can handle them on the boards. And if you take away their offensive rebounding, that takes away a lot that they can do on offense. So I think Bogut is probably playing the right amount. I think it more depends on you know, are shots falling in, in this game for the Warriors? If not, you probably want to go to the small lineup just to get things going. So are you, are you with Draymond Green? Do you think this is it for the Blazers tonight? Yes, I do. I, I just think that this is just a much better team, and I don't think you fault the Blazers for that. I, you know, it's not, it's not their fault. They're not as good. They weren't supposed to even be this good this year. Uh, Draymond had a, an interesting clarification today where he said, look, I think they're done, but I know they're not quitters. They're not going to quit. So mm-hmm. – if anything, that's, that's even more, more motivation to know that I've said that they're done, they, they're supposed to be done, but they're not going to just roll over and take it. So they're, they're going to come out and give a game. And they really, you know, the one thing Stotts did say prior to this game is that his, he feels his team's gotten better as this series has gone along, and I actually agree with him. They played a really good game in, in game four. It's just Steph went into this historic mode, and when that happens, there's not much you can do, but the Blazers have put up a great fight. 
Can I ask you if if you were surprised that he was unanimous? Like that's usually there's one media member who's stupid and is just like, oh, I'm gonna vote for Seth Curry on accident. Yeah, even. Seth Seth Curry on accident, or I I don't know. Would have been like, well, that uh, you know, Damian Lillard played pretty well during the regular season. He deserves it. You know, are you surprised that like we all agreed on this and like Steph is clearly the best? Let's just get it done. 100% surprised because it, it's, it's never happened, but it's not like it's never been warranted before. Like Shaq in 2000 received 120 of 121 votes and Allen Iverson received the other vote. And Allen Iverson had a true shooting percentage under 50% that year. Like he didn't, <laughs> he was good, but he didn't deserve to, to get an MVP vote. Uh, LeBron a couple years ago, you know, had a, missed out on one vote that went to Carmelo Anthony for no reason. Like it always does seem to happen when we have these dominant choices. And I expected, you know, I expected LeBron to get one from from the Cleveland media. I expected maybe James Harden to get one from the, the Rockets play-by-play guy. Like, yeah, I always expect one of those to be kind of an errant vote. But this year, everyone got on the same page. And, you know, maybe it's because the voting is public now and has been public for a couple of years. Nobody wants to get shamed after throwing that vote away. And I think that maybe that factors into it. Well, and social media too, right? Like, it, first, they're public. Yeah. And second, you can literally find their handle and shame them to death. Right, and Sam Amick from USA Today had a great tweet the night before the voting was, was announced saying, like, look, if you screwed up and you put Steph as anywhere other than first on this ballot, just come out and say it now, like, right. get ahead of the story. And that's really <laughs> what you have to do if you're going to be that guy or that, or that woman in, in this industry is that if you're going to go against the grain just to go against the grain, you have got to throw an article in it. And the good thing about that is it's going to get clicks, right, because everyone <laughs> wants to know why you're being an idiot. Well, that's equivalent of the teacher being like, okay, I had something go missing. I'm not mad, but if you confess now, you won't get in trouble. Like, you have to cop to it now. And that's always a trap. Don't (laughs) ever fall for that. That's always a trap. Yeah, that was never good. Never confess. Were you uh, were you a rebel in in high school? Did you want to? I don't know. You got against authority. Yeah, like I got I got in a couple of fights. I got in some trouble, but I was more like. I was just asleep in high school. Mm. So I, I, was, I was really tired. I was really lazy, shocker. And so I slept through a lot of stuff. But yeah, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was rebellious, but I wouldn't say I was good either. Okay. No, I, I was just curious. That was a natural question that came to my yeah, mind. Yeah, that, that was a clear follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, kind of looking at the other series, first of all, uh, obviously Spurs Thunder last night... On a scale from 1 to 10, how shocked are you about the Thunder being up in this series? What do you think about the Spurs' uh, end of gameplay? Your overall thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm probably about an 8 okay. uh, in terms of being shocked about this just because I thought, you know, I think this Thunder team is, is good, and I think that I think they're a little over-scrutinized because it's just it's an easy thing to do. Um, but the reason they're up is the shocking thing is, is because it's come from defense. Like, Ennis Cantor is making plays on defense against – the, the Spurs front court. Like, that's not supposed to happen, especially not in the fourth quarter. And, and they've just found a way ever since game one to truly defend, you know, this, this really incredible machine. And, and that's the reason they're winning it. You know, the offense has been solid, but, you know, Kevin Durant didn't have a great game five, and they still went out and, and won game five on the road in San Antonio. Now, I would not be shocked if they screw this thing up and they lose, and they lose game six and game seven. But I think in terms of, what they've been able to do like this is the growth we want to see from the thunder i just don't know how sustainable it is yeah i know i i agree i'm i'm kind of torn on that because i i I just have 
thought that the Spurs Warriors Western Conference Finals was so set in stone. Seemed like the, a foregone conclusion. Right, before, the, as this NBA season unfolded, and now it feels like the Thunder are about to maybe ruin that a little bit. It almost feels like uh, when Orlando made it to the finals instead of the Cavs, and, and we were kind of robbed of that Kobe-LeBron finals that we all kind of expected. Yeah, and it, it, does, it does feel like, you know, it feels like we're, we've been on this collision course all year, but really, if the Thunder play to their capabilities, why aren't they as good as the Spurs? You know, they have Kevin Durant, they have Russell Westbrook. Like, these are two guys who could attack this Warriors team in a way that causes a lot of problems. Now, the key would be, is Deion Waiters going to be a competent player? Is Dennis Cantor going to be a competent player? Can Serge Ibaka step up? Is Andre Roberson going to look like a, a guy who can actually shoot an NBA jumper? Like, they, these are the questions they still have to figure out. But at least right now, if the Thunder play like this against the Warriors, like, I think they've got a real chance. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, we got to go ahead and go, but um, thank you for, uh, really, we have to let you go watch the game and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> well, anything we should be looking for on, on CBS Sports about tonight's game? Um, yeah, I'll have some kind of recap, but over the next couple of days, I'm going to have, like a, uh, I think, a cool thing on Steve Kerr with role players and something okay. on Sean Livingston, so click on, click on those. You don't have to read them, just click on them. Just <laughs> click yeah. on them, play the video multiple Fo- times. Follow him at Talk Hoops, exactly. talk about bad movies, tell him how good, how much yeah. you loved R.A.P.D. No, don't do that, but we could talk about how bad Jupiter Ascending is. I'm willing to talk about that all day. That's good. Seems fair. All right, Zach, thanks for joining us, even on your, your week off, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye. All right, that was Zach Harper, uh, NBA, CBSSports.com columnist and the usual co-host of this program. And he's in Oakland. The better co-host. The, Let's be honest. No. Uh, 18 minutes before this Warriors-Blazers game starts. So, uh, I think it's done tonight. What's that? I think it's done. The, I oh, think the it's series, a series is done. Is done. Yeah, I don't. I right. mean, I mean, it's it Warriors would... at home. Right. Notoriously <laughs> good team. Yeah. Curry's back. And, Curry's back, and yeah. And no minute restriction. I would be surprised. I'm, and for those reasons, I'd be excited to see the Blazers extend the series, right? Like, Absolutely. I think, it's been great basketball. It's the right. opposite of this uh, Heat Raptors. I don't want to watch any more. Which is like, going to go on forever. Like, oh no, make it stop. <laughs> but also, like, I want to watch good basketball, so I'd like to see the Warriors and Blazers play. Quick update on that game, by the way. Uh, Raptors are leading the Heat 82-69. to 69. It feels like there have been four hand injuries in this game over yeah. the last like. We saw Damari Carroll go down and grab his hand. Now Damar DeRozan is squeezing his don't fingers in a, a very concerning manner. Don't have a D-E capital letter name. Yeah, don't be a Damar something. Damar, yeah. The, or Damare or, yeah, or yeah, any, yeah. any combination thereof. Uh John, can we play the Around the NBA cue, the, the ESPN NBA music? Because we're, we're going into that. We want to be. Here we go. We like it. All right. It's time for Around the NBA. We don't have that much time for it this week. Um, and quite honestly, it's the playoffs, right? There are only seven teams left. But yeah, few notes. First of all, Dwight Howard's appearance last night on, on Inside the NBA raised eyebrows, I, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, he, he was pretty open, I think. Yeah, he definitely was. I mean, talked about a number of things. First of all, like why he's just disliked around the league, which I thought was open, uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, to have to for someone to ask you, like, "Hey, why don't people like you?" is a weird question, it was right? Really, and that was the first question of the interview. It's yeah. not like they warmed into that. It's not like they, <laughs> right. it was just like Charles Barkley being like, "Why don't people like you?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, but- and Dwight saying, "I think." The I don't he I don't know it was it was a strange 
interview, but I thought he he handled it fairly well. Yeah, I I did too. I I thought it was really impressive, and and really, I think that's one of the only settings where you could get away with asking that sort of question and and get a real uh, answer from somebody is yeah. is in sort of that informal television sort of mode. The only, I mean, the only time I really felt like he was being traditional skirting the question NBA players when they said are you going to you know what do you have you thought about what right. you're going to do this summer he's like I honestly haven't thought about it like what what okay, have you been Dwight. doing for the last couple of weeks yeah I, I think all the talk about um, how hard it is to be engaged on a team he didn't say directly with James Harden but as a, he said as a big man you want to be involved right and you're playing with a, a ISO heavy superstar and you know Dwight hasn't always been involved and he's admitted to being disengaged and taking himself out of games which I found impressive that he had, he mentioned that. But A, is that a good thing? And B, do you want to give the ball so much to Dwight Howard now in 2016? Probably not. Right. But but, but also, do you blame the other Rockets players for for not wanting to be on a team with a guy who just isos over and over again? I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessarily that it has to be this way for James Harden. I wonder if like some coach can get in his head and make him more of a team player. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's had enough triple doubles this season that he, right. he's a, he's a good facilitator. It's not like he's a black hole. He's not quite. No, you know, he, he makes the right pass. He does very make, very frequently. Right, but I think an interesting parallel is with Rudy Gobert on the Jazz that I think he's much more engaged overall when when guys are looking to feed him the ball. You know, and you know his offensive capability is still limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't kind of can't blame a big guy for feeling like okay, um, you can't expect him to do all the d- dirty work on one end and get none of the reward on the other. Who is better, Dwight Howard or Rudy Gobert? Right now is a very interesting question. I'm in my next scouting report is on Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. to be released Friday, uh, and I. It, it, it's interesting because Dwight's dropped off a little bit on defense this season. Mm-hmm. He wasn't where he was in the playoffs last year, for example. Sure. And some of that's probably because he's not engaged on, on offense and, and doesn't feel like he's... And that whole team to quit. A, right, for sure. Uh, but, so yeah, but on the other hand, Rudy Gobert doesn't have an offensive game, right? So right. I think you'd probably say Dwight. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I would probably I say I don't Dwight. know if I would necessarily because Rudy's defensive advantage is it's so, so big at this point. Yeah. I think it's easy to feel that's skewed with how uh, with Dwight's game's more balanced. You know, yeah. he's better on or no, he's better on the offensive end. Um you hope Rudy doesn't become the the hacka target that Dwight is. Although right. I'm sure at some point in his career he will be. And maybe the rule changes this summer so that Could be. he's he's, he's not. protected from that. Yeah. Right. Uh Craig Sager is working Oklahoma City San Antonio mid 8 weeks of chemo. He's I think he's driving from yeah, San his, Antonio to His daughter tweeted that um that he had driven for treatment, I think. From Oklahoma City to Houston. I want to say it was like Houston, that. yeah. Okay. Regardless, that's incredible. Craig Sager's a man and he obviously, you know, he's he's got a terminal illness, but he obviously wants to go out doing what he loves and he loves basketball. And what an amazing asset. Don't the, call it terminal system. yet. It's terminal, isn't it? I, I was, it's terminal. Yeah. I'm sorry, Andy. Okay. But I like, might have to do the rest of the show because Andy is stopping. <laughs> Some people go beyond their terminal illness. No, you're right. Miracle, miracles happen. Yeah. It can happen. But yeah. I'm just saying, with how bleak of a prognosis it is. It is bleak. Um, for him to stay engaged the way he is and sideline reporter and well, with his great suits. I, 
What a treasure. Yeah. Craig Sager, yeah, he's a legend. He is. R.C. Buford of the Spurs won his second executive of the, of the year award. I love how the Spurs announced this to their fans, which is to say they didn't really. They, like, uh, did it, like, 30 minutes before the game last night. Right. While, before the fans got there, just were, like... They couldn't show shots guy, of the crowd because nobody was there. Right. This guy won the award, and that's uh, not cool. It's very San Antonio. It's, it's, he's... What a good guy he is. But, again, one of the best GMs in the league and doesn't necessarily get a lot of credit for it yeah. all the time. Acquiring LaMarcus Aldridge was huge. I thought it was really interesting that uh, they said that they had been working on this plan of signing LaMarcus for four years. Like, they had lock- looked at all these free agents were like, okay, this is the guy we want. This is when we'll have cap space, and this will be a good time in our evolution to do that. And I think that sort of preparation is not something a lot of teams do mm-hmm. um, to know what they're going to be three, four years down the road. Yeah. And I think if they sign Kevin Durant this off season, he'll get it again. Frank Isola got in a Twitter beef with McLovin. That's a right? thing that happens. It is a thing. I, I have really, I, I don't know if I have mixed feelings on Frank Isola. I think he's just a troll. Yeah. He's really good at being a troll. I, I probably have mixed feelings a lot. Do you have mixed bit. feelings? On, do you have good feelings about Frank Isola? I mean, he's, he's a, fine. He's fine. He's interesting, I guess. Yeah, I think he had that really brutal tweet about the Jazz in the tanking year. Yeah, you that was that? that was weird. Yeah, where yeah. he he said this team is not getting better. Essentially, right. it was just a pile of garbage. I mean, that season was rough. It was a pile of garbage. It was an intentional pile of right of trash. Um, what yeah. are your thoughts on McLovin? I did not know his name. It's which like is Christopher Mintz or something Chris like Mintz that. Mintz plus. Okay. Ploss or Plosse? I I'm a fairly movie buffy person, and, yeah. and I did not know his name. Um, and I retain a lot of that stuff. But uh, interesting for him to just go in on Frank. I I know I've just I'm, I'm pro more of that. And please. the my favorite part about the whole thing is he did not at mention Frank Isola. He at mentioned someone else named Nick's dude. Mentioned Isola. So is Frank Isola like searching his name on Twitter? Probably. Oh, for sure. I Do you do that? So Have you I, ever done that? Fun fact. Did okay. it as an exercise last night. Okay. Because I was having a conversation about it. What did it. you come up with? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing nobody, for people. Nobody talks about me. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's just your tweets when I do it. So. Yeah. Well, you can you can do it. In, if you do it in quote, oh, quotations, really? it'll do it. Okay. A lot of people talking about the Bruno Mars song, Treasure. Okay. And just To Angie's. a girl named Angie. Um, yeah, not a lot of people... Talking about me, which is cool. It'd be hard to search Andy Larson because there are multiple of me. There's there's two generic names in one. Right. There's like Andrew T. Larson, youth fan and avid ESPN 700 listener. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's great. Who's I want to my meet, my nemesis. I want to meet another Angie Treasure. That's, I bet she's think, not verified. Look so. it up on look her up on Facebook and just add her as a friend. <laughs> do it. No, it's a weird thing to do. Alex Len of the Phoenix Suns on vacation in the Dominican Republic saved somebody from drowning. His friend. The, that's awesome. Yeah. That's the best friend deal possible. His friend was jumping waves in the mm-hmm. DR um, after about the, about the third wave. They'd been told not to go to the beach because of the, the riptide. Because you might die. Because you might die, which they found out later. But he was jumping waves, and about the third wave in, uh, he stopped feeling the sand under his feet, and he got pulled out by the riptide and kept going under the waves. And started shouting for help. They thought he was joking. Alex Lynn, nope. giant man that he is, seven foot one, went out and saved him. And apparently, he swims like ninety minutes regularly, so he's a really strong swimmer. And was able to rescue his friend, 
That's, who was like half pa- he said when he got to him he's half passed out that's really bad that's, it was really that bad person's probably gonna die except alex len is there what a hero yeah i like Pro alex heroes len. what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done um dangerous i don't know i'm not a thrill like seeker. in terms of going out to the riptide and you know you're not supposed to be there um i got on the back of a motorcycle of a guy i met that morning Ooh, and drove what went from logan can down logan canyon why because that's the only way i could get home Wow, why, why were you stuck at the top of Logan Canyon? I went to go see a boy. Wow. Yeah. And then you just like hopped on a random man motorcycle? He wasn't random. So he'd, he'd been with us the whole day. He It was kind of like a double date thing. Okay. And, uh, But I'd been picked up in a car with the, the group date, and then we went and met this guy, and then he rode his motorcycle up to Logan. And then when I was in Logan, the, the girl who had driven up there lives there, so she wasn't driving back down the canyon. And so the only reason, the only way I was getting down was getting on back of this motorcycle. So you had no, you had no, did you plan on that ahead of time or no, did you, how did, did you think you were going to get down? How what? How did you think you were going to get down the canyon? I, I, I just knew I was getting picked up. So I figured I was going to get dropped off okay. um, via car, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I got on the back of a motorcycle with a guy I didn't know. Nice. Okay. So, sorry, mom. Well, <laughs> did she know about the story until now? Mm, she's not listening. Please bless. We can, I mean, we, we can make that happen. It's yeah. all it's all podcasting. I was 18, so it was Ooh. a long time ago. But still legal. So that's Sure. <laughs> I had a helmet. Like I was, okay. there was a, yeah, it was safe. I, I wouldn't feel scared once I was on it, but just in the abstract, that's a bad decision. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I would say my is probably going into, like there was a flash flood warning in Moab and we went into a slot canyon anyway. And then what do you know? It flooded. That's and not it was great. Like, that's like legitimately dangerous. I <laughs> yeah. mean, mine's, Mine was just kind of like sketchy, but that's a bad decision. <laughs> well, yours is sketchy in a different way, right? Like yours, yeah. mine, yeah, I guess I could have drowned like Alex Len's friend almost did. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It was actually one of the very coolest things I've ever done. That's good. So it's high risk, that. high reward. See, I'm just right. not a thrill seeker. It was just like nature's beauty falling on you and also just might kill you. Right. Mother oh, nature well. is no joke. He or she may kill you. She is pretty it's clear in Mother Nature. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for all of your questions out there on the Twitter universe. We can answer them on Twitter, too, if you want to tweet us again, at Andy B. Larson, at Snark underscore Treasure, or at Snark underscore Tank, excuse me, is Angie Treasure's That's Twitter me. handle. Uh, I, as always, you can listen to any of the rest of this show as a podcast. We'll put it up on ESPN700sports.com and SaltCityHoops.com. And... Uh, yeah, and also they're also on iTunes and Stitcher if you guys want to download the podcast using that. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz, along for along with Angie Treasure, signing out. Bye.